This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 73 of the podcast where we give you an inside view of various aviation careers. You know, some of you have written this show asking me to interview someone who's involved with safety. You know, and others would like to hear about more jobs in the insurance field. Well, with me today, I have someone who's been able to combine both disciplines into his position with a, pro- with a company that provides risk management and reassurance services. Dr. B.J. Goodhart is truly passionate about aviation. He's an active ATP-rated pilot and a flight instructor. Previously, B.J. managed flight training for Aviation University and worked in aviation safety with the Center for Aerospace Safety Education and with American Airlines Flight Safety Department. Sure done a lot. He holds an MS in a Master's in Safety Science and a PhD in Aviation with a Safety Concentration. Welcome to the show, BJ. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm really excited to talk to you because uh, you're really the first person that that uh, has a lot of experience both in safety and in the insurance industry. Uh, but before we get started, you know, we're all passionate about aviation. And, uh, you know, I love to fly, and I'm sure you do. Now, how did, how did you get involved in aviation? Well, I grew up in Kansas. And uh, as most folks here in the U.S. know, Kansas uh, is sort of an epicenter for aviation, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> it's hard to avoid there. And, uh, you know, some of my earliest memories are watching Bob Hoover at an air show that, that came through the Topeka, Kansas area once a year. And as a kid, probably five or six years old, I had a chance to, to talk to Bob Hoover. And uh, I'll tell you, that was it. Uh, I was stuck. I thought, wow, this guy is really interesting. He really understood airplanes. And uh, for me, it's it's always been something that is equal parts art and science. And I really saw that in Bob's shows. And um, early on, uh, started down that path of, of trying to be a, a test pilot like Bob Hoover, you know, uh, getting into engineering and really understanding the airplanes. So it was something that was always around me, and, and I think I, I just embraced it at an early age. You know, Bob Hoover really has inspired quite a few folks in aviation. And, and by the way, if you're listening right now and you want to hear a great interview with Bob Hoover, uh, we don't have it out yet, but on the Stuck Mike Avcast, our general aviation podcast, we have a panel session with Bob Hoover uh, discussing his career, and he truly has inspired quite a few folks uh, in aviation. You know, we all <clears throat> we all get our start from from somebody or something, and uh, that's that's kind of neat that you mentioned Bob Hoover because he really has put the science and the showmanship behind aviation. He's an incredible guy, isn't he? Oh, he's amazing. He's so sharp, too. I mean, I just love love talking to him. He's so energetic and and a wonderful person. Now, you took that passion. Now, you're you're an ATP-rated pilot and a flight instructor. So I'm going to ask you this. (laughs) Most people with those two ratings are doing something else. They're usually airline pilots. So you decide not to go that route. Well, I... I don't know, Carl, if that was ever really a conscious decision, to be honest, and, and I sound a bit spacey here saying that, but, um, you know, I love flying, uh, love flying, and I, and I always loved uh, teaching. Um, unfortunately, I think as many of us have seen in the industry is uh, 
the aviation business sort of ebbs and flows, doesn't it? And right. and if you happen to show up at the the right time, things can really be great. And if you happen to show up at the the wrong time, you you see a lot of people struggling. Um, I don't know that I was there at the wrong time, but uh, I knew a lot of folks who were struggling, uh, folks who were dealing with um, with furlough after furlough, and it takes a little bit of the magic out of it. Um, as much as I loved flying, I I really loved boy I, what I what I'll call sort of the forensic side of of safety, and that's sort of what pushed me into to that area. Um, I had gotten enough hours to to uh, to get into interviews for a number of of carriers, uh, but I found myself continuously drawn to that that problem solving side uh, in the the safety world and. Uh, I went back to school, uh, enrolled in the master's program, and uh, and that sort of started it. Uh, since that time, I, I've been out of flying actively as a career. I still fly, uh, I still love it, uh, but uh, but I'm not not sitting in the pointy end, as they say, uh, as as an everyday job. Right, right. So you get to do you get to teach it all still or no? You know, I I haven't uh, I haven't done much active flight instruction in the past few years. Uh, I like to think that I've got a fairly good excuse. Uh, I've got two young kids and uh, and was in a PhD program at the time, and so that took up a little bit of time. But I will get back into it. And in fact, I've been uh, talking with some folks about uh, uh, aerobatic instruction, which is something I really used to enjoy doing. Awesome, awesome. That'd be awesome because you're you're obviously a good teacher. Uh, you know, one of the things that you said about aviation safety is that uh, a lot of us think that really uh, aviation safety has to do with accident investigations, but there's, right. there's a lot more to it than that. So obviously that's one job is accident investigations. And, uh, you know, I just had a meeting and had someone talk about that. But, and, and you know, that's, that's the exciting part of it. But there's so many more things involved in aviation safety and jobs. What, what would be some of those? Well, I guess to sort of uh, pick up on that point a bit first and then uh, get into to maybe some of the careers that can be built out of it is uh, you're right, Carl. Aviation safety, although um, it does encompass things like accident investigation, you know, the real goal of anybody in, in aviation safety is to put ourselves out of business in terms of accident investigation. We'd rather not have any of those to do um, because it really represents a total fail, failure of, uh, of a system. So we spend an awful lot of time, I say we, and I spend an awful lot of time working on sort of the, uh, maybe call it the programmatic side of it, um, designing systems and, and looking at organizations and, and finding out how people work and think, and all of these things with respect to uh, to safety and how we work more safely to preserve resources, whether that's people or, or machines or whatever. What have you? Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity there, um, and if you take that sort of broad view of of safety, uh, then that expands beyond uh, what's often just called aviation safety, which isn't anything particularly unique. It's just safety in a in a bit different application. But there are things like workplace safety. Uh, which is also very important in aviation. Uh, maintenance shop floors, uh, the line and ramp areas are awfully unique work environments, and they take, uh, I think, a special knowledge. Uh, your ordinary workplace safety uh, professional finds themselves a bit lost a lot of times in an aviation world. So that, of course, is one way to, to approach things. 
the uh, uh, again on that sort of programmatic side uh, and what the FAA and ICAO call safety management systems, but you, you could almost group under just this broader umbrella of of safety and organizational management. There are a litany of things um, that a person could make a career of. Uh, if you're interested in sort of the psychological side of things, uh, aviation is nothing without people. Uh, <laughs> most of us that are in aviation know that there are quite a few characters in this business. So there's a lot to do with understanding people and and organizational management. Uh, if you're uh, more bent toward the, the scientific side of it, um, aviation uses a lot of mathematical modeling, probabilistic modeling, things like that, uh, not just on the business side. From uh, from the airline perspective, scheduling and all these things are done that way. But safety makes a lot of use of those tools as well. And so that's another way to sort of look at it. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But there are a lot of opportunities beyond uh, just focusing on uh, that sort of unintended event and investigating an accident. You know, I'm glad you brought up some of those terms. I mean, we've all, you know, listened to these terms like, oh, what is SMS and safety management systems, et cetera. I'm glad you, you talked about the organizational management because if you think about it um, and you look at, you know, safety management systems and the policy, I mean, they talk about organizational, uh, you know, um, integrations and also safety and it just doesn't it doesn't only have to do with with just the the person in the field collecting data uh we've we actually uh it's i think that's in their charter actually it's uh in safety management systems charter uh in the uh, or i should call it the national policy is really what it is uh, but it's really fascinating i think also something you, you touched on here um and go back to is is the mathematics side of it you know, my, me being a mathematician, I, I love statistics and I love, uh, you know, mining data. And yeah. this is a great opportunity for somebody who's into mathematics and to, to get into the safety side of things. It is. And, I, you know, uh, I've had some, some really outstanding opportunities to work with uh, the National Academies of Science uh, has a program called the Transportation Research Board. It's not something that a lot of people have heard of, but they're uh, they're almost a research arm, uh, loosely affiliated anyway, with the Department of Transportation, FAA, and all these folks. And they deal with highway and, and pedestrian traffic, but they've also got an entire section on airports and, and aviation. I had a, a chance to do some uh, mathematical modeling research uh, for those folks. So it's really interesting. And again, um, I, I think uh, though things like accident investigation are very visible and can be very fulfilling, uh, I think it's really interesting to try to solve the problems before they escalate to that level. And and there are a lot of us doing it, uh, maybe just not to the level of visibility of of the uh, the actual accident. <laughs> this is true, and you know, if, if you're interested in the accident investigations, by the way, we had an episode with Bill English, a lead investigator at the yeah. TSB, and um, you know that they get all the glory, and uh, there's there's so <laughs> many people behind that. I know Bill's going to punch me for saying this. But They've got a heck we, of a job. Yeah, yeah got, they do. Yeah. You know, the, the safety management systems, or just safety in general, and organizational safety, can be applied to other fields. You know. If you become a mechanic, uh, an aviation mechanic, you can go on and maybe work on boats and radars and things like that. In, in safety, say you got a degree in aviation safety, that could translate to other types of jobs. Uh, you know, a big thing right now is, is OSHA compliance or safety compliance in the workplace. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, someone with your background could go to that type of job fairly easily. I think so. You know, my, my background, although it sort of started in aviation and I'm 
pretty firmly rooted in aviation today. Uh, a lot of my, my actual formal schooling, uh, that master's degree in, in safety, was not aviation-centric. It's a, it's a degree in safety science. And you said something earlier that I really liked, Carl, which is that safety and organizational management are, are two sides of the same coin. Um, at the end of the day, uh, safety management is about providing decision makers with the tools to make the best risk-based decision. And that's really the same way we manage any organization. Uh, but we may change the metrics to apply to revenue or profit vice safety, uh, the, the tools are all very similar. And so once you're fluent in that, uh, in that world of safety, I think there's broad application. And in fact, aviation, although we claim a lot of these things as our own, safety management systems have been around in other industries uh, for years. Uh, offshore drilling and, and uh, exploration, shipping, chemical, nuclear industries, these are all sort of similarly high reliability like aviation, but similarly high consequence. So in other words, when something does go wrong, it's pretty spectacular. So I think uh, uh, across those types of industries, um, there's some very, very uh, parallel thinking. Well, I'd have to agree. You know, my brother's in the nuclear energy business, and, oh, well. and I, I say to him, I say, John, you know, a lot of what you're saying I hear in, in my aviation meetings, you know. Yeah, There's a lot of right. cross-pollination. It's uh, right. <clears throat> interesting just to, to drive that point home. You do not have a, a MS, a master's in aviation safety. You have a master's in safety science, and that's a master's you can get at most universities, I'm, I'm assuming, throughout the country. Uh, I don't know if I would say most, but there are certainly many. Certainly many, and you know each of them has their own flavor. You know, if you're, if you happen to be in in mining country, you may have a bit more uh, uh, mining focus. If you happen to be at, at particular universities where workplace health and safety or OSHA compliance is really their forte, you're going to get a bit more of that. So, uh, I think the key. Uh, to it is when you do get to that graduate level of education, it's a lot more flexible many times than an undergraduate degree, and you can make it your own, and and that's what's interesting. And I and I think what people have to keep in mind uh, when they decide to pursue something like that. Interesting. Now, in, in the job that you do now, how does your degree in aviation safety apply to what you do? Sure. Uh, I work for uh, a company who is a, the, the largest general aviation insurance broker in the U.S. And what that means is that we provide uh, or place insurance coverage for our clients, all of whom are our aviation businesses. Uh, but we do that for, for all lines of insurance. So it's not just aircraft. It's also the properties, th think things like uh, maintenance facilities or FBOs, what have you. Uh, it can be uh, the vehicles that support that. It can be uh, workers' compensation. So all those lines of insurance combined, but all with sort of an, uh, an aviation-centric view. <clears throat> so when I was hired here, I was, I was really hired to support um, – some of our proactive safety efforts. So I did a lot of training, uh, especially on the OSHA side of things, uh, and uh, uh, some operational best practice development training to, to those ends. And uh, as things have morphed over the years and my position has changed, uh, I also manage claims uh, for all of those folks. So you can imagine that's a broad range of of 
things to look after. And so having uh, that sort of broad background with a very, very solid aviation uh, background so that I understand what these folks are doing, um, but then sort of the uh, the broader call it occupational health and safety uh, uh, focus that helps uh, managing claims when you get into the the world of of workers compensation things like that so now <coughs> you went from safety to managing claims now yep. uh, what exactly does a claims manager do I know when I file a claim with my company it goes somewhere <laughs> That's right. Um, we're a little unique here, uh, but typically what happens is, just like with your own auto or home insurance, uh, when you have a claim, you've got to call someone. Uh, now, you may call the insurance company directly, and that's what a lot of us do. You report the claim, they go through it, uh, but you don't re really have anybody um, representing you and your best interest. You just sort of hope that the insurance company is is doing a really good job on your behalf. Uh, when you get into aviation insurance, uh, there are a lot of idiosyncrasies. There are a lot of unique aspects of what people do. And insurance costs an awful lot of money. Uh, so what we do is we provide a service, and uh, uh, another gentleman works for me, uh, we represent our clients. So when a client has a claim, they call us, the broker. We report it to an insurance company, and we manage that process start to finish. Um, so the benefit to a client is that most people don't have a full-time risk manager or insurance manager, and we're almost a captive consultant to them. Right. We're, we're sort of their, their part-time on-call risk manager or claims manager, and we, we literally run that process start to finish to ensure that everything is being done uh, to the maximum benefit of our client. Well, that's fascinating. So <laughs> now that would mean if I was to file a claim, you would be the person to do everything soup to nuts like that. I've heard of uh, claims managers. Do they, are they the ones that negotiate like the settlements at the end? You know... Um, a claims manager typically would be someone within an organization, um, and they do. They do uh, a fair amount of that negotiating. What you find in aviation is um, – I'll, I'll draw a bit of a contrast here. If, if I get in a car accident on the way home from work today, I could have my car repaired at any number of, of facilities, and the way that it's repaired – really could vary, right? It's it's really up to the individual body shop. In aviation, though, we're a pretty heavily regulated industry. So if I go to a, a 145 repair facility, part 145 repair facility, it's probably going to be in line with any other 145 repair facility. Their paint vendor might charge a bit more, but the repair is going to be fairly well stipulated. So you find in aviation that those sorts of things take a little less negotiating, um, but it's the the softer parts of the claim. Right. And as an example, those softer parts might be, you know, um, you're sitting out on the on the uh, at the gate in an airline, and a bag loader pushes through the skin on the side of the aircraft fuselage. Well, now I've got 135 people who can't get to their destination on time, and that costs someone money. <laughs> Most of the time, it costs the airline money, but it also costs those, those passengers time and missed connections, and all of those things become part of a claim. So it really has a lot of moving parts. Those are the parts that take a little bit more, uh, as you put it, negotiating. Uh, and it's a very it's a very one-on-one -on -one process with a claims adjuster, which is a, another 
part of this industry of claims adjusters who work for the actual insurance companies themselves. So um, there's a there's a, a bit of um, sort of wrestling an octopus here because there are lots of parts of the the claim, and again that sort of speaks to to a broad background in aviation being useful in this particular industry because the more you understand about it, the more you can understand those various parts and pieces. You know, what's fascinating as you were speaking, it seems that the most delicate portion of the operation can actually be on the ground. I mean, if you knock out just a light bulb, uh, that could could impact quite a few people. It is. Carl, People are surprised a lot of times, but uh, you know when you think about it, aircraft just don't fall out of the sky very often. Uh, that's a good thing, right? right. <laughs> um, about eighty percent of what we do in terms of claims coming in is ground-related damage. Yes, it's a huge that. number, huge mm-hmm. number, um, but but certainly impactful to the industry. So that that's a big part right there is managing that safety on the ground, and of course, at like a large airline, they have those people that that's you know ground safety, air safety, and uh, you know workplace safety. It's it's fascinating how many portions there are in the safety business. So, uh, but but you know in insurance, it just seems to me that, uh, and this is from my perspective as a small airplane owner, that there aren't that many insurance companies out there, but they really are kind of fighting for a small pool of business. And so <laughs> where true. is this industry going is, is what I want to know as far as uh, both on the side from commercial side and also on the recreational side. Well, I'll tell you, my, my crystal ball is a bit foggy, but oh, I'll, I'll give you my, my best opinion of it here. Uh, and don't hold me to it. Um, right, right now in, in general aviation, and I'll sort of speak to general aviation first because that's the industry that, that I know best. And, and by general aviation, as a caveat, I guess I'll say everything between the sort of owner flown, uh, Carl, you mentioned as an airplane owner. So some of what you do, we do. Um, uh, our forte here at the company that I work for is more the uh, charter operators, large managed fleets, big FBOs, and maintenance facilities, that sort of thing. But everything between airlines and those owner-flown aircraft, that's what I'm calling general aviation. So in that world today, there are 14, 15 insurance companies who can write insurance. Now, that's not all apples to apples. Some of them simply can't do what you want if you've got uh, a particular kind of operation or kind of insurance uh, that you need to, to, to get done. So of those 14 or 15, on any given type of risk, maybe four or five, six are truly interested. But that's, as you say, that's a fairly small industry. Uh, interestingly, 14 or 15 is a huge number for us in this industry. We're not used to seeing that. So so we call that capacity. So there's a lot of capacity right now, which means um, that there's more supply than there is demand, and it's a very competitive market. It's a great time to buy insurance if you're in the aviation business because the rates are very, very low. And not only are rates very, very low, but the types of coverages are very flexible and the limits available are very high. Now, some of that's a function of, I like to think of, of folks in the safety world uh, being effective in the industry having a uh, very good loss history. Uh, so when loss history is good, then rates uh, tend to follow that. Um, it doesn't always work that logically, but that's a sort of a typical relationship. Now, 
uh, as you know and your your listeners certainly know, and in the uh, in the world here in the past few years, we've had uh, some pretty catastrophic accidents. Uh, the Malaysian Airlines incidents, we've had two uh, there, which were uh, total hull losses. Um, there have been a, a number of aircraft lost in uh, Tripoli. So there are some very, very large airline hull losses, and this speaks more to the, the airline side. And uh, insurance sort of follows uh, that large airline uh, experience as well. So as as uh, insurers start paying more and more on airline holes, that impacts uh, what are called reinsurers. So believe it or not, insurance companies have insurance, <laughs> and they call that reinsurance. So you know, if if I write a fifty million dollar or a five hundred million dollar limit as an insurance company, I'll also insure that. Uh, so that if I have to write a check for that full amount, uh, I can collect then from a reinsurer and it's less impactful on, on the business. So what you see when there are large whole losses like there have been in the past few years is uh, an impact on reinsurance. And when reinsurers start to feel the pain, the rest of the industry moves. Uh, so I think I think we're getting to that point here uh, a bit. Uh, however, the general aviation side has stayed pretty flat in terms of rates, and I think people a lot smarter than me uh, still don't project much of an increase in the in the near future. It's an odd business, and I think a lot of that is that capacity. There's just so much uh, capacity in the industry right now that it can absorb pretty substantial uh, events. I'd have to agree that GA business is uh, slowing just in general, and uh, that has to do with the fact that it costs so much uh, from the end user perspective, like me. Uh, gasoline and, and purchasing aircraft, new aircraft are expensive, that type of thing. But you know, <clears throat> if you're listening right now and you want to understand what reinsurance is, rewind and listen to that explanation because that was probably one of the best explanations of it as to what reinsurance is. I, my, my wife's in the insurance industry, and I talked to a lot of folks and asked them what reinsurance is, and they could go on for 10 minutes explaining it. <laughs> and uh, that was a, a much better explanation than I've ever heard. So I, I'm going to keep that one in my pocket Perfect. and play that to my, to my wife and her, and her coworkers. That was excellent. Um, you know, it, it's interesting how I've, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Insurance is a funny business. I uh, was in a, fl- a flying club. We had a 182RG, and they forgot to put the gear down. It, it had caused uh, an, a loss. We had to file a claim. And what was fascinating is after we uh, filed the claim, everything was settled, the next year our insurance went down. Uh, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there scratching my head. Why is that? Right. <laughs> you know? and, and again, you know, I think uh, I, I said something about logic not always applying, and that's that is true in this industry uh, with the capacity you have today. Now, if uh, if that capacity were to change, I think you'd see. I think you'd see things like that stop. But uh, in the next few years, um, barring any unforeseen changes, I I don't see it. But, you know, the, the insurance business is obviously fascinating to me because that's what my wife does, and uh, I've worked in the industry before and as a consultant, and uh, I find that uh, people choose this career path because, uh, you know, it's always going to be around, and um, if someone's looking at this and saying, hey, you know, that, that sounds pretty cool, you know, I want to get into insurance and, and, and what you're doing, possibly do some claims, maybe do some sales, they, they want to be on the, the exciting end of writing that policy. Sure. Uh, what <laughs> Type of advice would you get them? Give them, and also, uh, what type of degree should they have just to get into the insurance industry? Sure. Uh, 
Well, let me give you a little sales pitch first about insurance because I'm sort of an unlikely um, insurance guy. Uh, I, I happened into it uh, through a friend who knew a guy who had a, uh, an opening for uh, what was billed as an aviation safety position. And that's really what it was. It was aviation safety in support of an insurance uh, business. And as I've gotten further into it, I see – you know, it's really a pretty interesting world. And I think what the most interesting part of it is, um, is if you work in an aviation business, you get to know that particular business, that organization fairly well. I think of what I do as sort of like cheating. I, I, I get this unparalleled look at, uh, you, you know, where, where an, an ordinary person may work at, uh, at one FBO for several years and they know that FBO, I might see a hundred FBOs in a year. So it's, it's almost like the cliff notes to the industry. Um, and when you get into an industry like insurance and some of the other service businesses in aviation, you really get to know a lot of people in the industry. You get to see the unique aspects of, of their organization, and that can be uh, an awful lot of fun. We, uh, we get a, a great chance to partner with uh, what I think are some of the best organizations out there uh, in aviation and to, to help them grow and expand uh, their safety management practices. That's a lot of fun. So, uh, in terms of getting into the industry, I will I'll say that most folks in the aviation industry uh, have an operational background. They were either an, a mechanic or a pilot. And for one reason or another, whether it's just industry timing or a, a good opportunity or a, a, a purposeful decision to make a career move, they've gotten out of that strict operational side and into the insurance side. So most of us are converts. Uh, we were flying or turning wrenches or doing something like that. And you really need that in the aviation insurance business. Um, those of us that are in aviation, and, and Carl, you know this and your, your listeners, I'm sure, uh, understand what I'm saying here, but we're, we're fairly intolerant of, of folks who don't understand what we're doing. And insurance is such a critical piece of aviation. You know, you, you don't think about it until you need it. And when you need it, you really need it to be right. Uh, and that takes somebody understanding what people do. And how it works, and and there's only one way to do that, I think, and it's operational experience. So, beyond degrees, um, it, it's really having a little little bit of operational experience. So you'll find most folks who are underwriting or adjusting claims are at least a private pilot or a mechanic. You know, and I, I've seen other insurance companies, you know, tout that as saying, "Hey, everybody here is a pilot at yep. our insurance company," and and it and it makes sense because if if you're sitting there talking about a 5,000 hour ATP rated pilot with 737 type rating, that may not mean anything to anybody else in, in another right. industry, but but uh, you know people here listening will know what that means and <laughs> right. to somebody else, so, right? And, and that that's very important. It's it goes from something that simple to us uh, to something much more complex, and and talking about different you know s- systems in the aircraft and also on the airport, and uh, you know what a runway incursion is, say. Which causes a an incident or an accident? You know those those type of things we hear every day, but somebody outside the industry wouldn't. So I think that's a great suggestion is is uh, to be inside the industry, you know, an right. operational standpoint. Um, now, 
<clears throat> let's go over to the uh, you know on the insurance side, which I, I think is awesome. I, I I think that's a lot of fun. Everybody I know that's in it, loves it, uh, and it's an interesting group of people, uh, and they they really have their their little. It's like a little club, you know. It and, is. Uh, I love hanging around at the air shows with the guys that are selling insurance, the guys and gals selling insurance. Um, fascinating because it, it's I think intellectually challenging. Uh, at a certain, in one respect, it's also rudimentary and and back to the good old days of sales in another aspect of the industry. That's right. So it, it's a real cool thing. But on the other side of the of the of the fence, on the aviation side, um, you know, there there's a and if if there's anything else you want to add on the insurance side, you can you can add it now. Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. Well, there are a lot of uh, a lot of jobs. I guess I I didn't really speak okay. to, but if if um, if somebody's interested in getting into insurance, you know, uh, a few years ago, there didn't used to be a lot of opportunity as somebody sort of coming up in the industry. Uh, there are now, though, a lot more uh, chances for folks to, you know, or maybe a college student looking at an internship. There are a lot of opportunities now for, for internships. Uh, I think unique to insurance vice, a lot of internships in aviation is they typically pay you <laughs> and, and, and above a, a basic wage. So uh, that's something for uh, maybe some of your college-aged listeners to consider. But the, the basic... Um, uh, the basic sort of career paths in aviation insurance tend to be, you know, we think of them as claims and underwriting. Underwriting, of course, the people developing the actual policy. Uh, claims are the folks that respond then uh, when something goes wrong. We actually have to apply that policy in real life. Um, but there are other things going on in there, too. There's there's underwriting assistance. There's an act- actuarial positions. Um, and there's a... a a tremendous need for folks with legal experience as well. So a lot of insurance companies um, uh, utilize a lot of in-house attorneys, uh, folks who, who understand that part of it as well. And and unique, I think, to this industry is that you'll find more attorneys with a commercial pilot certificate or an ATP or something running around than anywhere else in the world. It, it's very interesting that way. You know, one thing I, uh, about the attorneys, uh, there's a lot of attorneys at insurance companies, but they may not have the license in a certain state that right. they're consulting in. How can they go about their business by doing that? You know, are they just on a strictly consulting basis? Well, uh, it it really depends on the company and how each company functions. But typically, um, the reason an insurer will have an attorney on staff is insurance companies see uh, uh, far more than their fair share of, of litigation. Um, and if they've got a fairly good footprint, whether that's worldwide or, or even just across the country, um, they're going to be managing a lot of claims and managing a lot of, of of attorneys. Typically, an insurer doesn't defend a claim internally. Uh, they'll hire outside counsel, but somebody has to manage all these to make sure that what they thought was happening is happening. You know that um, that the, the game plan is being implemented as designed. Uh, I'm no attorney, and so to get into the actual nuts and bolts of it would be uh, me speaking out of school a bit here. But uh, but typically, insurance companies aren't actually. Uh, they're not actually uh, answering a complaint or responding or defending a claim uh, internally. They're managing it more than anything. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, most of the insurance companies I've seen, even small ones, uh, have somebody internally that is an attorney that yeah. does manage those uh, and manages a pool of attorneys. So they have, just like in aviation, they have their own language. And, That's right. And they understand each other. 
and that's that's also fascinating. So there are there's quite a few folks I know listening right now that are attorneys and are trying to figure out how to to meld the two together. And, and there's there's one right there is, is to get into aviation insurance, right. um, although a small industry. But but with that said, <clears throat> insure, a good example is you know I'm a member of a. Uh, of, you know, NAFI, National Association of Flight mm-hmm. Instructors. If you don't think insurance is important, look at the back page. I mean, there's an ad for an insurance company that covers the whole back cover of that. You know, why should you get insurance? And it explains why. Uh, you know, people will sue you for for many different reasons, and uh, uh, it's it's a good idea to have that insurance. Um, you know, I just uh, went over that with with my wife as far as are we insured enough, and and usually you find out you aren't, or, or sometimes you're adequately insured, but uh, uh, but it's really really fascinating. And we we could talk forever on the whole insurance side. I I really think it's a, it's a neat neat field, and there's many things that you can have degrees in to go into insurance. You know, and uh, but I I think that having uh, we'll go into this a little later, having a higher degree does help you uh, with career progression sure um, but as far as on the safety side now um, and getting into you know pursuing an aviation safety uh, type of ba- uh, career let's say um, you know what for those wishing to get into that what type of advice would you have some general advice and some specific advice sure well I I think quite frankly one of the one of the, um, the the stigmas to uh, safety professionals, whether it's aviation or otherwise, is um, it, you know we're we're lampooned sometimes, and and you see the the sort of visual of uh, a guy behind stacks of paper and uh, coke bottle glasses sitting right. in a, a dark office somewhere, <laughs> and to some extent that's been earned, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and and um, safety is sort of an odd. Uh, career that way, I think that there's a lot uh, a lot of benefit to being um, uh, to being personable and really uh, working to engage people to understand just what on earth we mean by safety and that's that's not that we want everyone to to stop what they're doing or we want to interfere with uh, with work or 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 operations um, but getting into the field is is an interesting thing as well. There are so many ways to sort of find find your way into it. Uh, one of the things that makes safety a bit more confusing is if I want to be an accountant, I get an accounting degree and I, I, I sit for a CPA. Uh, if I want to be a, a, a oh gosh, a, a physical trainer or something like that, I go for that certification. When you get into the world of safety and, and especially in aviation safety, you really don't see much in terms of certification. So it's a little tougher to pin down who's doing what or who knows what or, or, or what have you. Um, there are a few things out there uh, and some folks who are trying to to solve that problem with what's, what's called a, a registered safety professional certification. Uh, there's a CSP or certified safety professional. There are a few of those. Those are really interesting ways to get into it. Um, they do focus a little bit more uh, toward uh, the occupational health and safety side. But I think they're important certifications to look at. Uh, but in terms of, of looking for uh, college education, there are a number of institutions out there with uh, safety degrees. My feeling is that a broad-based safety degree is is very important. Uh, you know, having aviation experience, if you want to get into aviation safety, is critical. But that's a tough thing to learn in a classroom. Uh, that's something that 
you, you can certainly be conversant in uh, by doing that. But uh, but getting into the operational side to the extent that that you're able is important, and then having that sort of broad view of of safety uh, rather than than honing in on a on a really specific degree, uh, I think that's important, and it, and it makes you flexible. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with that. I think uh, safety science uh, is a is something that that's fascinating to most people here. They all and most people listening right now would say, "Oh no, I need an aviation safety uh, degree," and and that's not necessarily true as, as to what you said. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I think on the side of a degree, I think it's also important to to get a degree um, for moving forward in a career. You know, do you need a degree to fly an airplane? No, but if you're going to get hired, say with an airline. They require a four-year degree. You know, right. it's their way of weeding out people. There's so much competition, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it, it just it happens. I mean, you look at the statistics. If you just want to look at the math, the higher the degree, the more money you make. Right. Uh, and it makes it easier to make more money. Uh, and that's, that's a, a simple way to put it. But uh, it also opens opportunities. It makes you a much more well-rounded person. And it, and it involves conversations that you would never have otherwise when you do get those a master's and a Ph.D., et cetera. Absolutely. <clears throat> now, um, you've, you've gone one step further, which is more than most would do. You went on to a Ph.D., um, gosh, would you, would you suggest that of, of folks who, you know, when I say, when I, all right, this is going to say, this is my bias. Uh, I'm going to say that if you're getting a PhD, you are teaching at a college, uh, primarily, uh, the most people that do that. You're not in a teaching mode, but you have a PhD. Why would someone that's get right. a PhD that's not in a teaching facility? Well, uh, now I do teach, but it, it's it's just very part time. Right. So I do a bit of uh, teaching for a university at a graduate and undergraduate level on some safety courses. But again, that's that's an option that I have because of the PhD. It's not really the driver uh, behind it. Um, you know, PhD is an awful lot of work, Carl. Uh, so it's something that that people. Uh, you know, have to look at very, very carefully. And I did that. Uh, I took a, a lot of time to come around to doing it. It was something that I that I knew um, since I was a teenager that I wanted to do, to be honest. I'm, uh, it's sort of an odd answer to the question, but it's just something that I felt driven to do. And I think um, the reality of it is that, that problem solving is something that you you really get into when you do research. And a master's degree is is a great way to start getting into that. But when you get to the doctoral level, and this isn't to say that I couldn't have carved out an hour or two a day and just started doing research. But you mentioned something before, which is that all of a sudden you get included in these conversations that you never would have had. Um, And that's what the the PhD did for me is it, it allowed me access to some people that I don't think I would have had access to otherwise. Uh, it allowed some great collaboration with people that I could learn an, an awful lot from. And again, it's not to say you can't learn otherwise, um, but it really got me into this mode of doing research. And in aviation, uh, you know, there are a couple types of research, right? When we talk about sort of basic theoretical research, we're, we're sort of pushing the, the horizons of science, right? Um, but applied research is something that aviation really thrives on. And by applied research, I mean things that, that translate very easily back into to industry. So um, <clears throat> as an example, uh, a research project that I did on, on loss of control 
in flight. Right? It's it, this is something that really affects our industry and is one of the leading uh, cited causal factors in aviation accidents. So, doing research on loss of control and how that translates into training design is is applied research. Uh, but it's necessary and in aviation. It's an it's an industry that's often driven by by passion more than science. Uh, once you get beyond the the actual engineering side, uh, so being able to get into that, produce good research, uh, and not just good research, but research that's meaningful to people in the field. Uh, that is that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, it is, and uh, you know it's interesting too. I, you know, I'm an adjunct professor at a, at a college, and I. Uh, one of the things I get to do is research with one of the PhDs there. Uh, the other cool thing is that I'm called professor, but they're called doctor. You can boost your ego up when you walk through the door. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, again, it's one of those things, too, that uh, it, it opens up doors. So it, if, uh, if everything changed tomorrow and I decided, well, I'd, I want to go teach for a university. I've got that, that option available. Now, of course, they'd have to, they'd have to want to hire me, but, but at least the, uh, the option is there. It's just an interesting way, I think, um, to, to, get, to get really to the core of the industry and, and try to drive some meaningful change. I mean, as I say, this industry, uh, more than most, I think, is one that, that has a lot of passion uh, folks that are in aviation just love it, and uh, to be able to take that love and that passion and, and turn it into something that that makes a, a tangible difference to the industry to make it better, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very fulfilling, and, and then to help uh, teach people some of those things along the way is even better. You know, uh, it's interesting backing up to the the masters. I mean, a PhD is a great thing, but in your career, a master's is going to make a big difference in, in say, your income, et cetera. One of the questions I get often is concerning the MBA as opposed to a master's in safety science or in master's in, in aviation safety is actually what sure. most people talk about. Uh, is, uh, you know, they're, they're struggling with, should I go for the MBA for should I go for the master's in, in safety? And, uh, you know, I... I've said it depends on what you want to do. If you're on the more the business <laughs> side, it, you know, right. go for the MBA. It's a, it is something that can be used in many different places. Uh, having the master's is important in general. So, um, what would you suggest? You know, uh, boy, that's a it's a tough question it because it it really relies on trying to predict the future to some extent. And I think it's really, uh, you know. I said this a little bit earlier, but you go to an under uh, your undergraduate degree is is largely just sort of being told a lot of things. It, you know, it, at least if you're like me, and I was not a not a good student as an undergraduate. Um, uh, you know, I I understood the material well enough, but uh, let's just say I was a little distracted uh, by the college environment. Right. right. So uh, most of us get through an undergraduate, and we're we're waiting to just be hold a lot of things. You learn a lot, but you're, you're, you're not developing it yourself. When you get into the graduate level, whether that's a master's or beyond, it's really your opportunity to shape the way that you learn and what you learn and to, to, to shape it to meet your own uh, interests. So I, I think what I would say is that if you, if you enrolled in a, a sort of safety-focused master's program, but you have a lot of interest in organizational management, design, those sorts of things. I think you can build that focus in. Uh, 
Uh, if your focus is more like yours, Carl, mathematics and statistics, you can build that in. If you want to do data mining as part of a safety degree, you can do it. Uh, if you want to do an MBA, and part of that MBA is that you want to do data mining, you can do that as well. And so I, I think there's a lot of flexibility to that extent. And, and then, you know, the, the other side to that as far as an MBA is concerned, you know, the, you, can, you can vary that MBA tremendously and, and make it more nuanced to what you want to do. Uh, you know, we have a lot of folks that are interested in doing, like, you know, the operational controls of, of the uh, – or the controls of the pricing. And those people, a lot of them have a heavy math background, but they also have a business background. People right. like CIOs, CFOs, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. So having an MBA is, is important there. But, you know, the most important thing is to design it the way you want it and, and towards your interest. I think that's extremely right. important. And uh, I th- I'm glad you touched on that because there's so many opportunities and something that you really love to do. And, uh, you know, you hear me say that all the time is that do something you, you really like to do. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I've come to embrace because of this show is the fact that uh, some of you have decided not to go towards a career in aviation. And I think that's terrific that you've been able to make that decision. Uh, I love this field, but that doesn't mean everybody else does. And I'm glad <laughs> that they, you've moved forward in what you want to do. And, uh, and I, I, and, but you still listen, which is great, because it's fascinating, all these other career opportunities. And, and you may have been able to uh, listen to something here, like insurance, and decide, hey, that's what I wanted to get into, but now I can tie it into aviation, another one of my loves, or, you know, in safety. I do OSHA standards for, for nuclear power plants or something, and, and, and you know, I can, I can move into the aviation side of things. So I, I think that's, that's really, really cool that we can do that, uh, that we can move along a path go towards something we like, and then eventually hit the target as to what we really love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's it seems like, uh, BJ, that's what you've done. Yeah. I think so. I'm, I'm having an awful lot of fun doing it. And, uh, you know, I think, again, to, to reiterate what you said, but for your listeners, that, it, it, you know, to an outsider, aviation is a very narrow career. It's aviation, and they think about an aircraft flying and the people sitting in the front end getting it from point A to B. Uh, aviation is such a, a broad industry. Uh, and, and you touched on a, uh, sort of the business side of it, the, the scheduling, the revenue management side. Uh, that is all just straight business. And it's very, it's very, very interesting stuff. It's a bit beyond what, what I'm capable of doing, but it's very, very interesting. You know, the operational side and maintenance, uh, there's a huge opportunity for careers there. Um, boy, we could go on. We'd have a whole show just trying to, to name all the different parts and pieces of this industry. But I think the thing to really uh, remember is it's important sometimes to take that step back and look at it and go, golly, there's a lot of moving parts of this thing. And uh, you know, if you find yourself up against a wall in one area, uh, it's entirely possible that you're going to find your passion uh, just around the corner. There's a lot to do uh, in this world. So... You know, and, and and to further that point, I think uh, you know we we try to do that here on the show. As you as you see, we have many different uh, jobs out here. You know, we there's a gentleman I speak to who's in facilities management, and he loves the challenge of uh, he's in an airline. He loves the challenge of making sure that everything works, 
and all the moving parts. It's like an orchestra, he says. Uh, he, he's he's very he's shy, so he doesn't like to come on and do these type of things, you know, on shows, etc. But he loves being able to organize a group of folks to make sure the jetway is working in the morning, make sure all the safety devices are in place, the people are in place. Right. Uh, so there, that's one aspect. So yeah, it's it's just it's just such a neat <laughs> industry. It's full of really passionate people, which is probably why we'll, most of us get into it. Uh, there's, there's a few other industries like that, you know, and that's one thing right. I love about aviation. Uh, but uh, well, BJ, boy, I appreciate you coming here today. Is there any last last advice you can give to to folks listening? Oh boy, that's a that's a <laughs> tall order. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I think uh, to your point on 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 training and advanced degrees and those sorts of things. Um, I think a lot of people view these things as, as um, simply career requirements. Um, I don't like to look at them as that. I, I think it's it's tools to make you more flexible, more flexible in an industry that's infinitely broad. And uh, the further you get down that that path of, of learning and broadening your skill set, uh, the more things you open up to be able to do in this industry. And I think that that if if aviation is the thing that gets you going, um, then then uh, uh, setting yourself to uh, to to learning and to, to furthering that education is sort of a natural thing. Uh, and and I think I, I just don't want to leave folks with the impression that yeah, it's just something you simply have to do to get ahead. I think it's it's just a neat opportunity to get even further into this industry. Great, well said. And and I tell you, if uh, if anybody's listening right now is in aviation and wants to change their their career path in aviation, you can do it. You can go towards something absolutely. else. Absolutely. And, and and that's what's what's absolutely fascinating. Hey, I, you know, I've always said I I love my job, and I love flying airplanes. Uh, if I lost my medical tomorrow, the next day I'd be doing something else in aviation. It wouldn't right. matter. I would be going forward in it. And uh, and that's something I think most people in aviation would, would say. But, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we talk about here on the show, BJ, is uh, how to fund <laughs> their their education. And, and today, uh, you know, I have a scholarship of the week I like to mention. And, and today I picked one out that's apropos here, and it's to people that are possibly looking at getting into business aviation management. And uh, that's the Alan Conklin Business Aviation Management Scholarship. It's worth $5,000, and it's for those people that want to further their careers in business aviation management. So that's that side where we're talking about the MBAs and stuff like that. So go check that out, the aviationscholarshipsguide.com or aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Uh, also, one more thing about the scholarships, and I'm going to make the announcement today, so, so BJ is going to hold me to this, is that <laughs> many of you have said to me, you know, the membership in the website is great for the scholarships and all, but you'd want to have some kind of guide in your hands. Uh, I finally have been beaten over the head enough uh, to be convinced that we are going to make this a book, and it's going to be an ebook. And uh, you know, we've I started this two years ago, and in the hopes it would become the largest online database of scholarships. And now that it is, uh, we have decided that you need something to take with you. First thing we're going to start with is an ebook, and then we're going to have a printed version. But it's not just going to be a scholarships guide. Uh, uh, as far as just a listing, it's also going to have some advice as to go how to get a scholarship, and uh, it's going to be co-authored with a, a few other people uh, that are in the business of finding scholarships for folks. So that's the big announcement is, yes, we're going to be coming out with a book. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a big effort, but uh, I have a great team that's helping me with it. So I'm very, very excited to announce that today. Uh, so I, I look forward to putting that together. Um, 
BJ, again, thanks so much. You, you've been a real inspiration for me, both in, in what you've talked about here today, but also uh, some of the things you've done on other shows and in general uh, in your lectures. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, what I'll do is I'll put a link on this uh, podcast to uh, to the, one, the interview you did about safety management systems. I think that was absolutely fascinating. Uh, terrific, the, thanks. The Private Jet Podcast, we'll do that. Uh, if people have questions, I, uh, you can go to aviationcruisepodcast.com slash contact. Shoot me an email. I'll, I'll send it over to BJ if that's okay. And maybe That's can, fine. Uh, absolutely. Back with those folks, that'd be terrific. <laughs> and uh, again, BJ, we really appreciate your coming here. And, uh, and uh, we could talk for hours. I'd love to have you back on someday. Sure. Happy to do it. Thanks, Carl. Thanks so much, BJ. And if you're listening right now and you're trying to decide what your career is and what you want to do, uh, look at what BJ's done. You know, move, he moved forward and he had many forks in the road and took many different paths. And, and if, say, you're, you're an undergraduate and you you're, haven't done so well as an undergraduate, you, you still can uh, do well in the future. And, uh, and look at BJ. Look at what he's done. And, I'm living proof. He's living right? proof of this. <laughs> but, you know, as I always say uh, in, in every show, you know, make, take one step. Uh, just one step forward in your career. No matter what that is, it's something small, reading something, uh, taking a test, taking an exam, and, uh, or, or just listening to a show, uh, a podcast, or going out to the airport and talking aviation and aviation careers. Uh, do something. Do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, I appreciate you listening to this, and we'll talk to you again next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.